How many of you have ever had anybody throw you a surprise birthday party? Have you ever had somebody throw you a surprise birthday? Put it up. It's, it'd be proud. It's awesome. How many of you have ever thrown a surprise birthday party for a kid, a spouse, a whatever? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, over at our school, um, our headmaster's um, 50th birthday was just last week, and they threw her a party and decorated everything in black. It was, you know, like, you're dead now, you're 50. And they put a wheelchair in her office and hung, you know, black streamer from the ceiling, and they even took her to dinner in a hearse. It was, uh, you know what I'm saying? I mean, they went all out, deep, deep, dark love. You know what I mean? Uh, it was a, a fun thing. But I can remember one of my greatest memories as a child is my parents um, threw me a surprise birthday party. I think I was like nine or ten. And it was just one of my fun memories from, from my uh, growing up years. My dad took me down to a park on Saturday. We didn't ever go to the park. I don't know. He's like, you go? yeah, sure. So me and a buddy and then went down to the park and we just goofed off. And I thought, you know, this is weird. And I came back home, and I don't remember what grade I was in, fourth grade or whatever that is, and my entire class was in my yard. <laughs> and I thought, What? The school's out, you know, like, it just didn't feel right to have all your classroom friends in your yard, and so we there, and how many of you remember croquet? Come on, I'm dating myself now, right? You remember croquet? So we played croquet, you know, old school. You didn't have to have a lot of money to have fun. You just had to have something, you know, a yard game. So we played croquet, we had a cake, and, you know, I had, and I still got the pictures from that, from that day. It was just such a super day because it was a, it was a surprise birthday party. If you've ever been one of those, you know how cool it is. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing about a surprise party. The person you're throwing the party for has no idea what's about to happen. And they have no idea all the work that went in behind the scenes to make that moment happen. It just all kind of happens on them in the moment. In the church, we have another phrase for what we call that. We call that divine appointment. Now, if you've never heard that phrase, let me explain what that means. It's very much like a surprise party in that God's been working behind the scenes because he's planning these special moments for people's lives who are far away from him so they can see his work in their life. In this way of thinking, God's the one throwing the party and everybody else is surprised by it. Even the ones who God uses to be part of the moment are usually surprised up until the very moment. So in this series, we've been talking about how to live on mission. And we called this series Live on Mission. We talked about mission drift the first week. If you haven't caught these messages, I would encourage you to jump on our podcast and get them. The second week, we talked about everyday missionaries. Today, we, uh, last Sunday, we talked about how God has a plan. And uh, so today, I want to talk about divine appointments. So how many of you this morning believe that God wants to use you in a powerful way? How many of you believe that? Most everybody believes that God wants to use you in a powerful way. How many of you believe God wants to use you in a divine appointment? Now that maybe you never even heard the phrase to write then. All right, you believe that. So there's a man named Philip in Scripture who had a divine appointment, a powerful divine appointment, that I want to look at this morning and see what we can learn about how divine appointments happen and how we can be part of them, how we can be used by God in them. So if you'll turn to Acts chapter 8, and I've got... I've got um, six quick points I'm going to give you this morning. I'm going to move fast. So if you want to write those down, go ahead and grab something you can take notes with. Acts chapter 8, 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip. Now, you realize right away, this isn't an everyday thing, right? <laughs> How many of you have ever had an angel speak to you? Like, I, I'm, I never have. Never had an angel speak to me that I know of. I didn't know it was an angel if it was and all of that. 
Uh, so this is a big deal. An angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road. In other words, go to the desert that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now here's what's interesting to me in verse 27. So he started out. Wait, 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 wait. Time out. What do you mean he started out going to the desert? He wasn't going to the desert already. He hadn't planned to go to the desert. Just the angel spoke to him and said, go to the desert. So he went. There's nothing in between those verses I can see. On his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch. Don't even have time to explain that. An important, ask your parents. They'll love to explain it. An important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. Verse 29, the spirit told Philip, Go to the chariot and stay near it. Now, if, if, if we want God to use us in powerful ways, what can we do? Number one, follow the nudges God puts in your heart. Now, you notice that an angel told Philip to go to the desert. He didn't know what was going to happen. He didn't know why he was going. And he didn't know who he was going to meet. He just went. Sometimes we miss divine appointments because we want to know all the facts before we go. Right? But God's not going to tell you all the facts before you go. He's just going to say go sometimes. And the Bible says if you're faithful with a little, he'll make you ruler over a lot. Now verse 29, the spirit told Philip, go stand next to that chariot. <laughs> Why? I don't know the guy in the chariot. I don't know the guy whose chariot it is. What do you want me to do when I get there? He didn't get any of that information. The Spirit said, go stand next to the chariot. What do you think that sounded like? It just says the Spirit said. How did the Spirit say? Did he write it in the sky? I, I, I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. But I, I, I wonder, I call it nudges. Because it's little impressions and ideas that pop into our mind that we're not really sure where they came from or why we should follow them. And look, every idea that you have is not God speaking to you, I promise you. But some of them are. And learning to follow the nudges is learning the difference. I call them nudges because they're usually not strong and they feel like suggestions, but these little whispers contain divine moments. And the more you follow them, the more you'll be able to recognize them. I can remember when I was on a missions trip several years ago and we were uh, at the end of a service. I, I had preached, and the, uh, it was in Spanish, the translator translated, and so I couldn't really interact with most of the people in the church because there was a language barrier. But I can remember as I was moving around in prayer time, there was this younger guy standing over in the corner, and I, I just felt this little nudge, hey, you need to go pray for him. So I walked over, and, 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 I, and a, a translator kind of scooted up close, and I just started to pray and I didn't even know I didn't even know why I went over there I just went I'm gonna pray for him what am I gonna pray I have no idea I don't know him I don't know his name and I don't know his language but I feel like I need to go over there so I went over there and I started to pray for him and as I started to pray for him I began to sense a very clear direction and I began to pray about specific things that I that I, I, I didn't even know his name I wouldn't have known 
And as I prayed, he started to just fold in and cry. I saw tears come. I couldn't see his face, but I could see tears dropping onto the floor under, underneath his bowed head. And it was just such a powerful divine moment. And I walked away. I prayed, and we kind of met for a minute, and I walked away. And a little while later, the missionary came to me, and he said, Do you know who that is? I said, I have no idea. He said, That's the pastor's son. He said, He's been away from God for a long time. And he goes, that was a moment for him that we haven't seen in a long time. Little divine moments that sound like suggestions or nudges. You don't know why you're going and you don't necessarily know what to do when you get there. But when you follow them, God says, surprise, like a surprise party. All this has been going on behind the scenes that you didn't know. All this work has been building up to this moment that you didn't know. You just happen. God needs somebody to step into the moment. To, to make it visible. To make the invisible visible. To confirm what's been going on invisibly out here visibly. And that's what happened. Now, verse 30. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. So follow the nudges, number two. Be urgent about the opportunity. Remember, Philip ran, the Bible says. Uh, now, th this is very common. Look, probably on your way to church this morning, you saw somebody with earbuds in, you know, jogging down the road and, you know, little, little workout clothes or something. It's not uncommon for us to see grown men, grown women jogging, running at the parks on the side of the road. About every road you go on, if the weather's nice, somebody's going to be jogging. Very, very common. Not in that culture in that time. It was, you never saw it. Adult men did not run anywhere unless the cattle had gotten out or the house was on fire or an army was invading or there was an emergency going on. It was very unusual. So we know that when the Holy Spirit said, go stand by that chariot, and Philip ran over there, he was very urgent about what happened. So when God opens the door, walk through it. Don't hesitate. Be urgent about what's important to God. Look, I don't want to live my entire life and then look back on it and say, I invested most of my life in what's temporary. I want to look back and say, I invested my life. I want to be urgent about what God's urgent about. We're so urgent about, you know, commuting and getting to work on time and busy and making more money and doing this and doing that and doing the other and getting the chores done and getting the errands done. When are we urgent about what's urgent to God? When eternity is on the line. And Philip was urgent. One of my favorite quotes is from a missionary, Jim Elliott, who said, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to keep what he cannot lose. Pretty good stuff. If you want God to use you in a powerful way, be urgent about the opportunities God gives you. Verse 30, let's look at the second half. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. So he doesn't even know why he's there. But all of a sudden, he recognized the book he was reading. And he said, do you understand what you're reading? Number three, ask questions. Ask questions. If you want God to use you in powerful ways, learn to ask questions. Now, Philip did one of the most simple things. He before he declared, before he said, before he spoke, before he's new on the scene, he doesn't know this guy, he doesn't even know if the guy will be open to him. 
So how does he start? He asks questions. Sometimes we have a hard time asking questions because we've been taught that we're answer people. Right? We've got the answers, and our job is to inform an otherwise uh, ignorant world. The problem is when we appear to have all the answers. <laughs> right? It's a turnoff. People turn off. 400 years before Jesus lived, a man named Socrates believed that part of teaching was asking skillful questions. He believed since the truth was on his side, he could ask questions of a world that thought it already knew everything. So rather than attacking an intellectual world that already thinks it knows all the answers it needs, and now you proclaim yourself as have a person having all the answers that they need, Flip it and ask questions. Why? Questions are non-threatening. Questions take humility. Maybe, maybe God sent me here today to learn something from you. Maybe I didn't come to tell. Maybe I came to hear. How, how do we know? We don't know why we're on the scene. Questions help people find truth for themselves, which is the most powerful way. And questions communicate care. If I ask you a question about you, why would I want to know unless I care about you somehow? Derry Northrup at Timberline Church in Colorado uh, says that one question changed their entire church that has reached thousands of people. And here's the question. doesn't even sound like a question. Tell me more. So rather than saying, hey, why do you have that tattoo? Hey, tell, tell me more about your tattoo. Tell, tell me, um, how long have you worked here? Tell me more about your earring or your nose ring or tell me about how you became part of this group or tell me about how you got here. See, it's, it's an investment. It's an interest in somebody else. All kinds of questions you can ask. Tell me about yourself. Where were you raised? What did you get from your parents that you want to pass on to your kids? It's a question. Did you go to church when you were a kid? It's a question. Where does God fit into your life? It's a question. And then there are questions, I call them questions of permission. Rather than saying, I want to tell you something, say, um, can, I, can I share with you what God's done in my life? And if they say no, <laughs> then say, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to push that on you. If, you're, if you ever want to know that, ask me and I'd love to tell you. And drop it. But you can, you can ask for permission. How about this? Uh, somebody sharing something with you painful, you say, is it okay if I pray for you? And then you decide, do I do it on the spot or do I do it privately? Don't know. But you can ask questions. Questions are very powerful. Uh, I want to show you uh, the best book I've ever read anywhere on the subject. It's called Finding Common Ground. It's a book by um, Tim Downs. And uh, you, you can, uh, that's a copy of the book. If you want to know more about that, it is filled with the most practical tools I've ever read anywhere about reaching out in modern America. Now, number four, be ready to explain. So when the time's right, be ready to explain your faith. Look, you may have the best tomato seeds that the world has ever known, but if you plant them in winter, they're not going to produce fruit. You know why? The time's wrong. 
So you may have the gospel, you may have the answer, you may have exactly what another person needs, but if you plant it at the wrong time, it's not going to produce fruit because the time's wrong. How do you know when the time is right? Well, that's kind of like asking a parent of a teenager, when's the right time to have a serious conversation with your teenager? Who knows? (laughs) Right? Come on, parents of teenagers, who knows? But you have to wait for openness you have to wait for a time when there's not much distraction, and you have, to be, you have to be sensitive and you have to be patient. Now, in Philip's case, it was a no-brainer. Remember, he said, do you understand what you're reading? The guy's reading the Bible. Like, this, this is a softball. I mean, it's been teed up for him. Verse 35, how can I, the Ethiopian said, unless someone explains it to me, he invited Philip to come up and sit with him, okay? How can I unless someone explains it to me? So you have to be ready to explain. No, uh, 35. Then Philip began with the very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. Look, it doesn't mean that you have to know everything there is to know about the Bible. It doesn't mean that you have to have a degree in theology. It doesn't mean you have to be ordained or licensed or anything like that. What you have to have is a, life, a life-changing testimony. In other words, you could have been four when you got saved. But you say, you know what, Uh, what I know is, is God forgave me, and I trust him, and the greatest relationship I have on earth is with God. And let me tell you what he's done in my life. He's forgiven me, he's changed me, he's helped me, whatever, you have your story. And, And you have a basic understanding of grace. I'm forgiven because Jesus died for me. A basic understanding. You don't need to know everything there is to know. And let me just go ahead and tell you and free you. God is so capable of fixing anything you mess up. Right? So what he can't fix is inactivity. What he can fix is a mistake. He can cover it. So give him a chance to. I remember when I was in high school... And um, I, had, I had teenage friends. I had a, a high school basketball and baseball coach. And I had a youth pastor who was a teacher at my high school. And those three groups of people reached out to me. And as I look back, one of the things they did so well, I was lost, I was outside the church, I was outside of faith. And one of the things they did so well as I've reflected across the years on that time of my life they explained things to me. They never pushed. They were never pushy. They were never, they never shamed. They never guilted. They never condemned. And I don't even know where they got that in some of the church environment we had at the time. But they just kept coming up close to me time and time. And it looked like waiting for the opportunity just to explain to me. So I would say, well, well why do you do this? And they would explain it, and that's it. They would answer the question I asked, and that's it. It's not like, oh, we've been waiting for this. Unload the whole truck on him. You know, kill him. Here's the one moment. They didn't do that. I would ask a question. They would explain. Or they would invite me to something, and I'd say, "Well, well, what is that for? And they would explain. And so as I look back, because they were willing to explain the gospel to me, I was willing to open my heart. And over time, my heart became open, and it changed my life. Changed everything about my life. Verse 36. This is how the story ends. 
As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the uh, eunuch said, Look, here's water. What can stand in the way of being baptized? (laughs) And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. Look, when, when when you grab an understanding of faith, and you have, you have a real relationship with Jesus, that's the time to be baptized in water. And so I just want to throw it out there again. If you've never been baptized, we'll have other baptisms this year, but we have one coming at the picnic, and if you haven't done it yet, you can do it there. Verse 39. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Did you, did you catch that? Uh, look, sci-fi didn't start a year ago. It was there 2000. Somebody done, be- Scotty done beamed that boy up. Somehow they put the tractor beam on him and lifted him out of there. Like, I, <laughs> he disappeared. Like in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he came up, he gone. And you go, what was that? Was that, was that a person? Hey, but we know Philip was a human. He wasn't an angel. He wasn't something else. He was a human. And God zapped him up and sent him to another town. And he appeared over there somehow and started preaching on his way to another city. Now, here's the thing. What was all that about? I have no foggy idea. I don't know. I got nothing. I mean, I got zero. I thought about it. I looked at it. I got nothing. I don't know what that's about. But let me tell you what I do know. If you allow God to use you in divine appointments, number five, get ready to experience the miraculous. I don't know what that was for, but I know this. If you let God use you in divine appointments, get ready to experience. I'm not saying you're going to be beamed up anywhere. I don't know what's going to happen. But do you know where the miraculous lives? On the edge of outreach. See, the Pentecostal church started in the street and and was bathed in the miraculous, and then it moved indoors. And when it moved indoors, it wasn't a few few decades, a few generations. We've been searching for the miraculous ever since. And somehow we think that if we fast enough or pray enough or worship enough inside, closed in, shut off from the world, that somehow the miraculous is going to be restored to the church. But it's not. The miraculous left the church because the church stopped reaching out. Miracles exist on the edge of God's mission, the line where the churched and the unchurched meet, right on that razor edge, on the line where the gospel is shared, on the edge where Jesus touches the lost. We we think we're going to somehow spiritualize it. We're going to somehow encounter God enough that we're we're going to foster or nurture the miraculous. I don't think that's going to happen, and I'll tell you why. It's an unbiblical thought. Most of the miracles in the New Testament did not happen in the temple. They happened in the street and in people's homes where the lost and the saved met. That's where they happened. So you'll see the miraculous when you're on mission because that's where it breaks out. Number six, I got to land this plane. Remember, the impact will be bigger than you see. Most historians believe that this Ethiopian went back to his country, brought his neighbors to faith in Jesus, 
and planted a church. Do you know one of the oldest churches on earth is the Ethiopian church? It's not the European churches. It's not the Western church. It's the Ethiopian church. Just a side note, uh, those of you with African ancestry will be very encouraged to see that in the earliest days of Christianity, black people have been involved in church planning, in the mission of the church, and in the missionary work of the church. So you have a fabulous legacy in the gospel of Jesus. Now my point here to bring this up is just to say, you're never likely going to see the full impact of a divine appointment. The person you share with may ultimately come to faith later and you may never even know it. But it may change their life and their kids' life and their grandchildren's life. And go on and on and on and on. You are likely never to know the full impact of a divine appointment. And I'm likely to never know it. But it goes on and on. So believe when God sends you, hey, go stand over there. (laughs) You have no idea what's at stake in that moment. But more than you or I are aware of. Now, I want to wrap this service up um, uh, observing this one, one thought. It's very interesting to me to notice that Philip um, has the gift of evangelism. If you study Philip's life, it's very clear that he has the spiritual gift of evangelism. And so what does the gift of evangelism look like? I just want to put some thoughts on the screen for you. And I want you to be asking right now, am, am I a person who has the gift of evangelism. Well, here's kind of what it looks like. You're drawn to people who are away from God. That's a a mark of a person. You just seem to notice them. You see them. You're drawn to them. Uh, You often recognize opportunities to explain your faith. They just seem to be... They seem to be there. You see them when other people don't see them. You share the gospel in a natural way. It's like talking about football or the weather or it comes natural to you. You're you're generally able to overcome your fear of rejection and engage non-believers in meaningful conversations about Jesus. Now, here's the the point. Just leave that up there. Here's the point. Um, It's not to say that God has gifted some people in the church with the gift of evangelism and, and the rest of us have no connection to reaching out. Uh, That's like saying that God has gifted some people for prayer and uh, and they'll do all the praying for us. We don't have to do do our own praying, right? Look, intercession and prayer is a gifting and a calling. All are called, some are gifted. Evangelism and outreach is a gifting and a call. Some are gifted, all are called. Then, then why? Why would he do that? Why would God do that? Because those people who are gifted in evangelism encourage and inspire the rest of us who aren't gifted at it. They, 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 like iron sharpens iron. Why would God gift some people in intercession? Because they encourage us and inspire us in our own prayer life. Because we look at them and say, that's not my ministry But I can grow in my ability to do it because I'm called to do it. But it's not my primary primary ministry. 
So this morning, I, I just want to point this out and, and go ahead and leave that up. Here's what I want to do today. Um, today, would, would, you, would everybody just stand with me? And today, if you think evangelism might be a gift or ability that God's given you, might be. You don't have to be for sure. You're not signing up for anything. You're not joining anything. You know, we're not going to say, good, then, then go do this. But you think evangelism might be a gift that God's given you. Would you, just, would you just lift your hand? Would you just lift your hand and let me see it? I think, I think it might be. I'm not sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good. Okay. W- would you do me a favor? If you lifted your hand, would you just come and, and stand with me? I'm, I'm not going to do anything. We're not going to embarrass you. I'm not even going to have the prayer team come. I just, I just want you to come and stand with me. If you think evangelism might be in the balcony, we'll wait. If you think evangelism might be a gift that God has given you, I want you to come. Now, now this, this, is, this is incredible. And I want to tell you why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely you. <laughs> Our brother just got back from Brazil and was preaching on the back of flatbed trucks in the street in Brazil. So, yes, uh, it's a no-brainer here. Yeah. Yeah, look, here's the thing. Anytime I'm talking and you feel like I think it might be me, just just come on. We're, we're not going to do anything. I just, I just want to look at you, okay? I just want to see you. I want to tell you something. This entire year, easily this entire year, if not longer, our intercessors have been praying for months and months and months and months. God, stir up the gift of evangelism in this church. And today, I'm looking at the answer to those prayers. I just wanted to see how God was doing it. I just wanted to see what He was doing, and you are the answer. And so I want to, I want to encourage you. You have a gift that this body needs. You have a gift that's going to stir things up. And you may have a very, you know, uh, formal ministry, like, like we're trying to put an outreach leader in every um, life group. That might be your deal. You might be a leader of a group that does outreach. You might help us with events that reach out. You might not do any of that. You, you, might, be, you might be like uh, Allie over here we talked about last week who ministers in her tattoo parlor. And that's her... You might be off the grid. You know what I'm saying? You might, you just might be out there doing it. Who knows? Here's what I want to do. I want to affirm the gift that God put in you. I want to encourage you to fan it. And I want to pray for you that God's going to use you because we need you. We're going to watch you and you'll be an example to us. And we'll learn from you. We'll learn so much from you because God's put this gift in you. So here's what I want to do today. Uh, two things. Uh, would, you put, would you put my uh, email on the screen? I just want to throw my email address up there because I, I won't be able to remember everybody that came. I didn't know how many people would come. If you, if you came today and said, um, hey, I think I have the gift of evangelism, would you, do we have it? Would you put that in there? If you don't have it, it's letter J-W-E-S-T at kingwoodchurch.com. J-West at kingwoodchurch.com. If you just shoot me an email and say, hey, I think I got the gift of evangelism, that's it. We're going to pray for you. We're going to specifically call your name out in prayer, and we're going to pray for you. 
because this county needs you and this church needs you and, and Jesus needs you to do the mission. All right, everybody else take your card that you got, your picnic card. And right now, we're going to pray for the gift of evangelism that God put in this body. And then we're going to pray for all of us that this picnic is going to be a great day of life change. Lord, I thank you today for the people who've recognized the touch of God and the gift of God in their life to do outreach and evangelism. I thank you that you have put your gifts in this in everybody. Every, every Christian on earth has a gift. And you've put that gift in, this, in these individuals in this church for this season. And so I thank you for it and I pray your blessing on their life. And I pray for clarity and I pray for encouragement. And I pray that you would raise up and empower and equip and strengthen and prepare for the season that's coming. And Lord, we pray today as we hold these cards in our hand that you are going to change lives. Lives in this county and families and marriages and homes and generations. Divine appointments are being scheduled even as we pray today and have already been scheduled. And I pray you would give us a sensitivity that we would see them and hear them and know them and step into them and walk into them. Lord, today... You commission us again, and we hear you, and we go today in the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord, we go today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Two things. There's my email address, if you'll just shoot me an email. Second thing, would you give these folks a great big hand and just affirm the gift that God has put in them? Well, we're grateful for you. Grateful for you. And on your way out, if you're not in a life group yet, man, head out there. We got a lot of folks waiting to meet you. God bless you. Thank you for being here today. We appreciate it.